Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause. That cause is the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS-WITH-THE-Z-1. That's 855-STRIPS-1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited, A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Extra Rounds Podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. My name is Mike Kack. I'm your host, broadcasting from our studios here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. It's going to be a very short open, everybody. A lot to discuss, a lot to get to. But before we get to that, thank you so much for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts. For those who have left kind words, we appreciate that as well. But subscribing is important. It takes you two seconds to get the shows immediately upon release. Also, a good thing for you to do is to subscribe to the Fansided MMA YouTube channel. Let's go to YouTube, search Fansided MMA, subscribe to the channel, and get a ton of exclusive content right there. It is a beautiful thing. All right. Not a lot of time to waste. Let you know what today's lineup is. We're going to talk to Jimmy Rivera coming up later on in the show. Coming off his win at UFC 228 over John Dotson. He's a very busy man, but he has agreed to squeeze us in for a few minutes. And very appreciative of that. So we'll talk to Jimmy Rivera coming up in just a couple of minutes. But there is a lot to get to. There's a lot of things going on in the world of mixed martial arts. So let us go the full five right now. Five, four, Joining us on Going the Full Five on Extra Rounds is my colleague over at Fansided MMA. You can also find his work on UFC.com and probably some others that are missing. Spencer Kite is here. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Happy to join you. Absolutely. It's happy. I'm happy to have you on the show finally. We've been trying to get this together for some time, but schedules and just the sport being, well, the sport kind of took over, so it's good to have you here. Happy to do it. Let's, let's get into it. All right. So let's talk. This past weekend, the UFC's debut in Moscow, a nice early card for us here in North America, some great performances, some bad refereeing, some questionable decisions, a finish in the main event. I mean, this thing had a little bit of everything. How would you grade the UFC's debut in Moscow? I mean, I'm, I always tend to land on the, on the positive end of the spectrum. I would give it a solid B. Um, as you said, early morning, even earlier for me out here on the West Coast, so it's nice to be done by you know, early afternoon fight pass pacing we talk about it every time but it's great <laughs> you get that fight done the interview finishes and john gooden is thrown to the next fight so we don't have those studio breaks and then in terms of the overall results and just the fights themselves i enjoyed them i was looking forward to a lot of these younger sort of lesser known fighters getting an opportunity to compete i always like to see cards like this because we do get a little bit more time to spend on seeing a Jordan Johnson or a Petter Yan or, you know, even Yan Blakovich going out there and, and defeating Nikita Kurlov in the co-main event. He's a guy that sort of doesn't get the recognition that I think he deserves in the light heavyweight division. So to get a chance to see all of those and, and have a fight card that goes pretty quickly and is one fight after the other, I, I give it a B. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair grade. And, you know, since you touched on it, I might as well kind of flip it in this direction. Outside of the main event, we'll get there in a second. But, you know, you talk about these younger fighters, these fighters that we may not have known very well heading into Saturday. But whose stock rose the most, in your opinion? I know it's not Herb Dean, obviously, but who walked out of <laughs> Moscow with, with a little bit more gusto than, than walking in, in your opinion? I mean, I think the one that stands out the most to me is is Jin Su-san, who came away with a loss in his short-notice debut against Petter Yan, but went in there and traded with a guy that most of us feel is an elite bantamweight prospect, a guy that we've all been looking forward to seeing get into the UFC. He defeated Teruto Ishihara in his debut, looked really great in the process of doing that, and Son went in there and took everything he had to offer, fired back the whole time, was clowning in there, having some laughs, smiling in Petter Yan's face as they're both bleeding. To me, his, his stock is the one that goes up the most because we probably thought, most people thought, this is a guy that's coming in on two weeks' notice and is just going to get trounced. As far as guys that got victories, I mean, Jordan Johnson looked terrific to me in his middleweight debut. I liked him at light heavyweight. You hate to see him leave that division where it's, it's always kind of thin on prospects, but he looked terrific. Magomed Ankalaev at light heavyweight looked great to me. Of course, he lost his debut literally at the last second against Paul Craig, sort of rebound and, and have a terrific performance. He looked good. And like I said, Blakovich to go out and, and have that performance that he had against Nikita Krylov, um, take him down. He, he, to me, he's really figured out how to play to his strengths during this four-fight winning streak. And I think that fight cemented him as, as a top-five guy in that division. What did you think of Jordan Johnson kind of really taking a bet on himself there? I mean, he said after the fight, it was the last fight on his deal. He wasn't happy with what the UFC came back with, and they had the performance that he had. He would like to stay with the UFC, but, you know, if they don't pony up a little bit more, he might leave. So what do you see in his future? I mean, I think we're seeing more and more fighters do that, right? More and more fighters are, are willing to fight out their contracts, head towards free agency, and take that risk on themselves. Sometimes it pays out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and for Johnson to do, 
to do it in his middleweight debut at short notice and then go out and have a performance like he have. I think it gives him a lot of momentum. It gives him a lot of leverage as the UFC comes back to him. He's now 10-0. and 0. He's got four victories in the UFC. He looked great down at 85. He brings something that, you know, there are other wrestlers in that division. He is a two-time All-American, as John Gooden pointed out, from the University of Iowa, which is a wrestling hotbed. I, even I understand that as a Canadian. <laughs> I understand the history of that school and its wrestling program. And so to go out and do that and make 85 for the first time without any issues on short notice when he wasn't expecting to do it until maybe October, November, he said in the post-fight interview, I think it gives him a lot of leverage going into this sort of free agency and negotiation period. And another kind of under-the-radar story was Cajun Johnson heading into that fight because he had that that loss, that submission loss to Islam Makachev, and then you know we were kind of wondering what would be next for him. The UFC basically gave him like a sink-or-swim fight against Rustam Kabilov on Saturday, and basically he made it pretty public. If he wins, he gets another deal. If he loses... Then he's out. But obviously, that was a very controversial decision. Most people had scored the fight for Cajun Johnson. Do you think the UFC throws him a bone and gives him another chance here? It's really hard to say. It's it's really difficult. And, and watching that fight, I mean, I have a relationship with Cajun. He's obviously from out here in, in Vancouver now, based out here. We've known each other for a few years and, and things like that. And so it's tough to see a fight like that and a performance like that. I scored the fight for Cajun as, as well as most people did. Um, so to go out and, and drop a very close fight to a very talented guy, a guy that I don't think we talk about enough in Rustam Havilov, who's now won six straight in the lightweight division, which is no easy feat, it makes it, it, makes it hard to sort of accept that this could be the end of it, how his UFC run ends, but at the same time, it's consecutive losses, and then, you know, there's some of the other stuff. And he was very, as you said, honest and upfront about this, he spoke with Alexander K. Lee at, at MMA Fighting and said, it's not so much the Project Spearhead stuff that the UFC has been super frustrated with. They, they've addressed that and said, look, we understand you're part of it. That's okay. It's some of the other stuff. It's the, the fake handshake thing at the weigh-ins last time with Dana White that didn't really sit well. It's his music video that he released prior to that event in Calgary um, where sort of the villain or the, the central character outside of Cajun is a bald guy that makes a lot of money and is sort of <laughs> surrounded by money that kind of felt, as I watched it, like an approximation of Dana White. And Cajun even said, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad comparison. And so it's that stuff that sort of factors against him in there as well. And, and so it'll be interesting to see. I know that I think he belongs in the UFC. I think he's done enough to prove that he should be there and he has the skills to continue to be there. But at the end of the day, it's a division that's loaded with talent. And if there's these, these other things that sort of hang over his relationship with them, you can understand why the UFC may want to move on. Yeah, I could agree with that. Let's let's talk Alexi Olenek, man. I mean, another submission win. His 57th professional victory. He's won four out of his last five. I know you're the matchmaker on fan-sided MMA, <laughs> but but for those who, who missed your call and who missed the piece, what would you like to see next for him? I mean, it's crazy that, that this guy has gone out and done what he's done. Um, and you see what happened in that fight. Like those first couple leg kicks, you thought, okay, this is a dude that already doesn't move that well. And now Mark Hunt is wisely chopping out the legs. 
Then he hits him with one of those typical Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt shots, and Olenek literally just steadies himself and gives him the thumbs up, um, and then goes out and, and chokes him. He said he wasn't going to be able to get the Ezekiel choke because Mark doesn't have a neck, but he still gets the rear naked choke. I think he's in a position now where he becomes the perfect sort of opponent for a guy like Alistair Overeem, who has said in the last couple of weeks that, look, he knows the end of his career is coming, but he's not ready to go yet. He still thinks he has something to offer. He's coming off that loss to Curtis Blades at UFC 225. Blades is the only guy that's beaten Olenek in his last five. It sort of feels like the right level of matchup in terms of where they are in the pecking order of things and and just where they're at in their careers to pit them together. And, and whoever comes out of that, then you move them into that, you know, top five, top six, top seven range and, and see what happens from there. But to me, that's, that's the matchup that makes the most sense. And on the other side for Mark Hunt, he basically said he wants one more go at it in Australia. What kind of matchup would you like to see for the knockout artist Mark Hunt before he rides off into the sunset? I mean, I, I hope he gets that opportunity. And it was weird to me when I was putting this, this column together is that Mark Hunt and Andre Arlovsky have never crossed paths. They just seem like two guys that would have fought at some point along the way, but, but they haven't both lost on Saturday in Russia. If they're able to run that back and add that, I know Mark wants to fight on that show in Adelaide in December. If they're able to put that together that quickly and both are amenable to it, then that to me feels again, like the right sort of matchup, a pair of veterans who still have name value, who become sort of another draw on that card that already has a great heavyweight fight in the headliner with Mark Hunt's sort of protege, protege Tai Tuivasa. Get him on there. Give him what he wants in terms of that last hurrah in the UFC at home. Let's uh, let's focus over on Bellator. Of course, we've got Bellator 205 coming up this weekend, but let's tap into the big news from last week. Bellator is heading to Hawaii in December, and they beat the UFC to the punch. Lee Malay McFarlane will headline against Valerie Latorno. I mean, they, they, she's just a, a big star for them. They, they found a, an even better way to market them. To market her, it's unbelievable. Leonardo Machida is going to make his Bellator debut. Ed Ruth versus Neiman Gracie on that card. How big is this for Bellator to just kind of creep on in there and get this done before the UFC can make it happen? I think it's a terrific move for them to be able to do it, and I think having Alima Le McFarland to do it with is is the perfect the perfect opportunity. All of this coming together the way it has is amazing for them. It's it's the right move for them. I sort of bristle a little bit when everybody does the, like, oh, they've done it before. Yes, they're doing it before the UFC, but I think Bellator and the UFC don't operate on the same level. The UFC isn't necessarily going to take an event to the Neil Blaisdell Arena. It's, it's a smaller venue. I believe it holds about 8,000 people. It's a great opportunity for Bellator, and if the UFC could go, the UFC probably should have gone over and done a fight night there at some point, but that wasn't ever the goal for, for the UFC. That wasn't ever the, the mindset. They always looked at Aloha Stadium and doing something big and blowing it out that way and, and having Max as a centerpiece. And so I understand not doing it, but for Bellator, this is, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with this. You look at the four fights that have been announced. All four fights interest me. I will have to talk long and hard with my wife about getting the opportunity to watch that because it is on her birthday. So maybe an early dinner and then watch the tape delay of, <laughs> of this event. But it's an amazing card to have, as I said, a Hawaiian fighter in the main event defending her title in a tough fight against Val Letourneau, a, a Canadian who I know very well. 
and then have Machida and have Ed Ruth getting that step up in competition. And I know they added Mola Wall and Liam McGeary today or yesterday. It's already shaping up to be an amazing card. You know they will stack it with local talent on the undercard to pack that place. And for people that don't know, I mean, Hawaii has a tremendous history within this sport and hosting events as well, not just producing talent. And so to be able to go back there and be the first sort of major promotion to return there in a long time is is a great opportunity and a, a very wise move for Bellator. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, for a lot of new fans of the sport, Hawaii has been a big place and an important place in the for the growth of the sport. I mean, I remember watching old Rumble and the Rock DVDs back in the day. I mean, this is just huge, huge stuff for not only Bellator, but for Hawaii in, in general. And I'm very excited for this card and very excited to see this all come together and see what they can do. But let's talk about this Friday. we got Bellator 205 in Boise, Idaho, which has become an MMA hotspot in 2018. How about that? AJ McKee is going to take on John Teixeira in the main event. We we got Lovato Jr. back taking on John Salter, Patricky Pitbull, Roger Huerta. A lot to like about this card, right? Yeah, there is. I mean, I would have I would have liked Pat Pat Curran staying healthy and being the opponent for AJ McKee a little bit more right. than John Teixeira, but it's still a it's still a great opportunity for AJ McKee. Oh, did I lose you? Nope. Oh, there you, you are. Still hear me? Yep. There we are. Um, this is still a great opportunity. This is sort of what Bellator has been building AJ McKee for. All 11 of his fights have been in Bellator. The last eight of them have been on the main card. I sort of related it to the way the UFC used to build ultimate fighter winners. They were main card fixtures. You got them out there in front of people so that they started to gather a name, started to build some momentum. And then you got to a point where it's sink or swim. And this feels a little bit like that. Let's see what we have. Let's see how good A.J. McKee can be. John Teixeira is a tough veteran, twice as much experience. He's been in there with some very good guys. But it's not too tough a fight that A.J. McKee's just going to get dominated and suddenly this 11-0 prospect catches a loss and falls back to the end of the line. And then, you know, rounding out the card and, and sort of the other fights on the main card, John Salter and, and Rafael Lovato Jr. is a terrific fight. Ideally, we get the grappling sort of scramble fest that I think we're all hoping for. Anytime you get a pit bull in the cage, it is worth tuning in for. And Roger Huerta doing the sort of, you know, comeback thing again. We sort of forget that Roger Huerta at one point in time was, was destined to be a star, was a guy that we all thought was going to be a superstar. It obviously hasn't gone that way. He did the one-off with Bellator earlier in the year against Ben Henderson. That didn't work out. He's back now. He it with Kenny Florian, which is now a decade ago, which just reminds me how old I am. <laughs> He's still a guy that we remember. Every time he pops up in the corner for one of the Tiger Muay Thai guys, every time we see him making these one-off appearances, he still intrigues us. He still excites us. And so to see him in there against the former champion in Patricky Pitbull, it's a good way to start off that main card. And then later on this month, and I can't believe it's happening, we're at McDonald and Gager Musasi is just creeping up on us. I mean, it's going to be the first big fight on on DAZN and, you know, the, this whole platform. What do you make of the DAZN deal for, for Bellator from your perspective? Like, what do you make of this whole thing? I think it's a great opportunity um, because I know for me, living here in the West Coast of Canada, um, to get 
what used to be Spike TV, which is now the Paramount Network. It's another piece of a cable package. And for me, it's not necessarily something that I'm super excited about going out and doing because Bellator is going to be the only thing that I watch on that network. I know this is going to come to a shock as a shock to most people, but I'm not super keen on hours and hours of cops. Um, <laughs> but the zone is going to have some other stuff that I'm interested in. It's going to have some of the boxing. It's going to have some premier league soccer. It has some of the NFL games up here in Canada. And so to add that into the mix and sort of take Bellator from being tape delayed out here on the West coast to being able to ideally see it live on the zone, which Look, they had some struggles with their broadcast package last year with the NFL. Hopefully they've had a year to work all of those kinks out and we don't have any of those hiccups. But I think it's just, it's one, a great opportunity in the markets where it's going to be sort of rolled out and be important to them. It's also Bellator taking that step forward to sort of join up and sync up with the UFC in terms of having an over-the-top provider. Um, in terms of not being reliant just on television and on tape delay and things of that nature. So anytime you can put live fights in front of people, it's a positive. And Bellator gets a whole bunch of extra supplemental income to go out and, and sign these bigger names, sign other fighters, you know, maybe throw some money at the Sage North cuts of the world and these, and maybe the Eddie Alvarez of the world, maybe rejoining Bellator. I mean, there's a lot of exciting things happening for Bellator. It is expensive to be a combat sports fan. I understand that, but it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, just kind of, and a lot of people are cutting the cord anyway. So if you're just going to watch fights, then, you know, you just stream them and we're good to go. You don't have to spend 75 bucks on cable and, and you can make it happen that way. So a couple more things before we get out of here. Biggest topic in the sport right now is probably Thursday afternoon in New York. We've got Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov. They're going to be in the same room together, face-to-face, in front of the media at Radio City Music Hall. One of the things people are talking about here, maybe the biggest topic when this thing came out was that fans are not going to be a part of this thing. I mean, you can watch it in Times Square and the, the big Megazilla TV and everything, but fans will not be in the building. When you heard that this is just for the media and not with the fans, what did you think of that? It feels like a missed opportunity to me. Um, having been at some of these big press events and some of these big weigh-ins and things of that nature, having the fans there just creates such a different atmosphere. I think some of the reason is you know, some of the stuff that has happened with Conor McGregor at these kind of events in the past. They don't want any fans to get beamed by flying monster cans of monster <laughs> energy drinks or whatnot. But it just, to me, it, it takes away some of the atmosphere. It takes away some of the, the aura and even just some of the feel when you tune into it, as a lot of people most likely will do through whatever streaming platform they're going to they're gonna jump into. It doesn't feel the same when it's a quiet room as when there's, you know, a couple thousand raucous fans in there singing songs about Conor McGregor and chanting Khabib's name and, and sort of warring against each other in that regard. But I think it's still going to be entertaining. I think it's still going to be a, a thing that we all tune into and that we all come away from a little more excited about UFC 229, if that's even possible. I mean, Connor has been a polarizing figure for a long time, maybe more so now than ever before. Of course, the promotion for this fight has been based on the dolly and all the craziness from Brooklyn. But what are you expecting from Connor McGregor on Thursday? Do you think it's going to be like the same, you know, polarizing Connor McGregor who's going to sit there and, and talk a bunch of junk? Or is he going to be toned down a bit considering everything that happened in March? 
I think he'll try to be toned. I, w- I would think initially he will try to be toned down and probably going into it in his mind, it's all right. I don't need to be as necessarily over the top. But once he's in those, those situations and once he's faced with Khabib, I think there's no way that he doesn't start going in on him and start just back into the usual Conor McGregor. I think we'll know right off the bat um, which which Conor McGregor we're going to get based on whether he shows up on time or not. <laughs> if he's there on time and he you know just dressed normally and not flamboyant, then then it'll be a change and maybe we do get a more subdued Conor. But if this thing pushes you know ten, fifteen, twenty minutes late and and he struts in, in in that Joe Frazier outfit like the UFC 205 press conference, then all bets are off and, and get your tape recorders ready because there's going to be some more gems. At the same time, this is the biggest fight of Khabib's career, and I don't think he, think he cares about that. I just think he wants to fight. He wants to shut Connor up, and you know it doesn't matter that Connor's the biggest star in the sport. Khabib just wants to fight, and Connor just happens to be the guy in front of him. But this has gotten very personal, obviously with the Dolly incident, and you know the only real promotion for this fight outside of the Dolly is Connor taking shots at his dad and and other people on his team and things like that. What are you expecting from Khabib on Thursday? I'm expecting sort of more of what we have gotten from him thus far, and that's as you said, sort of the very straightforward, this is just about the fight, this is just about getting in there and proving who's best. That's one of the things that has always intrigued me about this. Yes, Khabib has, in his own way, sort of talked some junk about people here and there in the past, and we get the gems like Send Me Location and the little smirk that kicks off the promo for this event where DC's asking him about Connor or what he said to Artem and he just kind of smirks in the camera and says nothing. But I think this is really just about competition for Khabib more than anything. I think he is able to separate out the personal side of it. I would liken him more to Nate Diaz than some of Connor's other opponents in the past who did get caught up in, in the trash talk, who did let him get under his skin. I don't see that being a thing that bothers Khabib. I think he just sees it as noise. He just interprets it as noise and Connor doing what Connor does. And, and at the end of the day, they'll get in the cage on October 6th and he'll get his opportunity to prove that he is the better man. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters to him is beating this guy, continuing to be unbeaten, defending that title that he earned earlier this year and, and proving to everyone that what he said many years ago is true. He is the best fighter on the planet. I cannot wait for that fight. That, I mean, I'm, I'm back and forth. I can't. I can't decide. There's like <laughs> one day I'm like Khabib's just going to smush him, and there's the other thing saying Connor's going to finish him in the first round. I just don't know. I, this fight has to happen. It's just got to get here, Spencer. I I agree completely. We have a little under three weeks to figure it out. I have about two weeks until I have to file my <laughs> previews and predictions, and I'm going to use every second of that going back and forth on this fight. All right, last thing we'll talk about, UFC is in Sao Paulo, Brazil on Saturday. You know, we talked about the early start time on this past Saturday in Moscow. Now we're going to have, like, the latest card of the year with the main card not even starting till 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know you're on the West Coast, so it's not as bad for you, but I just can't imagine staying up till 2.30 in the morning to watch this card. But what are some of the things that you're looking forward to? Of course, Eric Anders stepping in on six days' notice to take on Tiago Santos. That was big. I'm actually really surprised by this, especially after talking to Eric Anders last week because he wanted to fight Elias Theodore on this card. The UFC said, no, you're suspended, and now all of a sudden... He's main eventing this card. What do you make of all of this? 
I just before I called in wrote a sentence along those exact same lines. It was very setting that part aside that that fight didn't happen, and now this fight is happening. It's still a great fight. It's still a very interesting fight. I'm a big Tiago Santos fan. I think he's just one of those guys that you tune in to see every time because he's always entertaining. Um, this this card to me is very similar to last weekend's card where there's some under-the-radar people, some people that don't get enough attention that I'm very much interested in seeing. Um, in former Invicta champ, Livia Hanata Souza making her debut. I think Elise Zelaski Dos Santos is criminally underrated. The fact that he's on Fight Pass makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, yes, he's now got a, a late replacement opponent, but I think he's a guy that we will be talking about next year as a contender in the welterweight division, so I'm looking forward to seeing him again. And then there's little things like Luis Hanheek fighting at light heavyweight for the first time in the UFC. That's interesting to me against Ryan Spann, who looked good in his second contender series appearance. Um, and I got a chance to talk to Andre Ewell, the CES bantamweight champ, who debuts this weekend against Henan Barrow. Uh, that'll be coming out on, on fan-sided later this week. He's an interesting guy to me. 30 years old, getting into the UFC, on a nice little winning streak. Nickname is Mr. Highlight. He wants to make everything exciting. Great personality, great opportunity to face a former champion right off the bat. And then the really interesting one to me is Rogério Nogueira. Is this the last fight for another Brazilian icon? Is this, you know, two years since he last fought? Is he coming back to get one more appearance? Does he have anything left? What can he bring to the table against the guy in Sam Alvey who has looked pretty good in his two fights at light heavyweight? And so a bunch of stuff to look, look out for and, and pay attention to this weekend. Maybe not the biggest names, maybe not the most enticing fights, but still plenty to pay attention to. Make sure you take your naps, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you <laughs> take your naps before this one. Spencer Kite joining us on the Extra Rounds podcast, going the full five. Great to finally have you on, man. Before we let you go, let everyone know where to find and follow you on social media and let everyone know what you got coming out this week. Uh, as I said, some stuff with Andre Ewell later this week and then the usual sort of pre-fight stuff on fan-sided, 10 reasons to watch, previews and predictions, drafting picks if you're into daily fantasy, and then the weekend stuff is, is the takeaways and the matchmaking. Um, you can find it all. I am a shameless social, social media user. <laughs> so you can find it all at Spencer Kite, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-K-Y-T-E. And uh, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. I appreciate getting the opportunity to jump in. Absolutely, man. Thank you for the time, my man. Enjoy the fights this weekend. You too. All right, there he is. Spencer Kite, everybody. Hard-working dude. That's for sure. I'm glad we were able to get him on. He's been a great addition to the fan-sided team. And, you know, and I want to I, I just mention this because I didn't mention it in the open, and I probably should have, but Jose Youngs is no longer with fan-sided. As you may have seen on social media, he is now – with MMA fighting, and I got to tell you, there is, you know, and I, and I said this to him on Twitter, well-deserved is the understatement of the year for a guy like Jose. He has really done a great job since Mike Dice uh, went on to NBC Sports Chicago, and he stepped in as the editor of the site and did a fantastic job, obviously fantastic, you know, covering these events on location, and, you know, I'm happy for him, no doubt about it, but obviously, you know, fan-sided has a little emptiness. Let's just let's just be honest. So, uh, congratulations to Jose. Wish him nothing but the best. And he was a big component and a, and a big reason why this podcast, you know, was relaunched on the site. So, 
I uh, just wanted to wish all the best to, to Jose Youngs, and you should probably do so as well. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Jimmy Rivera. We're going to try to talk to him last week, but the man's very busy. What can I say? But uh, he's got a lot going on right now, coming off the big win against John Dotson at UFC 228, and we'll check in with him, see what he's been up to. We only got a few minutes with with Mr. Rivera, so we'll talk to El Terror coming off his win at UFC 228 over John Dotson, coming up next on the Extra Rounds podcast. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. Joining me right now for the first time on this particular program, coming off his unanimous decision victory over John Dotson a couple weeks ago at UFC 228 in Dallas. He's back to his winning ways, and he joins us on Skype right now. Jimmy Rivera is here. Jimmy, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. So we're going to start in a little bit of a downer. You suffered your first loss in a very long time to Marl Marais earlier this year. You were able to bounce back, get a victory in Dallas over a tough guy in, in John Dotson. How important was it for you to get right back on the horse following the loss to Marlon? Um, it was important. I don't, you know, no one likes losing. And, you know, I teach my students here on uh, East 23rd Street, if, you know, if you get knocked down, you know, it's what you do afterwards to make you who you are. And you got to get right back up and try again. And that was it. You know, the final week I was getting cleared from that fight. The week after we were scheduled my next fight. And that, and that was it. Um, and we're, we're already talking to the UFC to schedule my next fight. We're already trying to work something out. Interesting. Uh, how did you, I mean, obviously you teach your students to just get right back on the horse, but mentally, how did you overcome that loss? I mean, from our past conversations and knowing you, and I know you got cleared like a week later, I feel like you were probably ready to train like the next morning if you could. What were those following few days like for you? Um, after the fight, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a downer. I was upset and I was like, you know, just, just upset about the loss. And, you know, I, I thought the kick was coming somewhere else and it, it was going up high and, and it, you know, it happens, but you know, I stepped out of it after a day or two. I was like, all right, I need to get back in and, and I need to train. You and end that's up, it. Yeah. And then you end up getting jaw dots like right away and he didn't seem to have a lot of drama on your end heading into this fight, but he took the fight very personally due to things that you had said in the past from his words anyways, about him not really being at your level, not being ranked high enough for you to fight him, et cetera. Were you hearing any of the things he was saying in the days prior to the, to the build up to the fight? Yeah. I heard some of the things he was saying, what it came down to at least, you know, what I said was at the end of it, it's going to be an exciting fight or boring fight. He's either going to stay in the pocket and we're going to, we're we're gonna bang it out, or he's gonna he's gonna run. And we saw what happened. You know, he threw a shot or two and then ran. He didn't want to stay in front and and fight. And you you can't force anybody. So you know, the whole card was you know a brawl. Then that fight came became a more technical fight. No fans weren't super happy, but it is what it is. You know, you can't you can't make it a brawl if the person doesn't want to stay there and fight you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you got the win, which is the most important thing. But like you mentioned, a lot of people, and yourself included, had talked about the fight not being aesthetically pleasing, we'll, we'll say, with all due respect. I mean, it wasn't a, a knockdown, dragout affair, but not all fights can be that way. And I think most fans of the sport can understand that. But, you know, on your end, how would you grade your performance in the fight against Dotson? You know, um, I, I'm waiting to sit down with my coaches to watch the fight. To be honest with you, um, I, you know, my coach right after the fight said I did a good job and to hear that I did a good job and, um, and not get a lot of criticism at all, like none. And just like you fought the right way. That's how you have to fight that fight. Um, to get that was, you know, a big deal because there's always things that he'll tell me that I can prove or fix or whatever. Um, but when he said that, I was just like, all right, so, you know, I did, I did the right thing. You know what I mean? I was, uh, 
uh, I, I fought the way I was supposed to fight. You played the hand you were dealt, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. You know, to get, to get the victory and bounce back, and although it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, as, as you talked about, but on a personal level, what did it feel like to bounce back with that win and move ahead in a, in a very interesting time in the Bantamweight division? Um, I mean, it was uh, it was super, super important to get that win and bounce back and, and fight. Um, you know, once I'm in the top five, I got the win. It doesn't throw me really far away from getting a title shot or fighting a number one contender fight next or something like that. So really doesn't throw me off a lot. I mean, um, you know, the loss happened with Marlon. came back, beat Dotson, who, who's, who beat the former, who beat the, excuse me, the current champ. So it's a big deal. I think it's, uh, I think it's great. I went in there and not only I went in there, but a lot of guys, you know, no one knocks out Dotson. You know what I mean? So a lot of guys go in there and if they do win, it's like a, a, a majority decision. I went in there and beat him in unanimous decision. Not a lot of people do that. You know what I mean? The last person I can remember that did that was Demetrius Johnson. I had your your old friend Aljamain Sterling on last week, and he had a lot to say about the division and and the chatter of a potential matchup between TJ Dillashaw moving down to take on Henry Cejudo in his attempt to become a two-division champion. From a Bantamweight standpoint, from a guy like you looking to get that belt, get your opportunity, I can certainly understand why you would be frustrated and other guys would be frustrated. But in TJ's shoes, with this opportunity put in front of him, can you understand it from his point of view? Yeah, I'm not frustrated at all. I mean, it's a great opportunity. He wants a money fight, and he wants to be a, a champ and move down and, and get two belts. If I was in his shoes, I want to do the same thing if I could make 125. Um, <laughs> nah, I don't, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. I, personally, me, I'm just looking for the next thing. I want to get in there and fight. I mean, you got TJ, and the one thing I did like about Sterling listening to one of his interviews was, you know, he wanted to mix it up, and I agree with him that we should mix it up and get fucking – Cody and and Dom and TJ and stop having that trifecta and get some new guys in there to fight. You know what I mean? Let he wants Cruz. Let him take Cruz. I'll take Cody. You know what I mean? Let's switch it up a little bit. Not the same same fucking fights every uh, every year. You know. I agree with that. And, you know, you mentioned after the fight, you called for Cruz or Garbrandt, and I definitely understand both those calls. Personally, if you're asking me, and I don't think you are, but with the way the division is shaped right now, I think it is time to settle the score. I think the time is now to do the fight between you and Sterling. And I know he told me he wanted the fight with you after your fight with Dots, and he said, eh, not so much. But he is still very open to that idea, and I know you're ranked a, a couple spots ahead of him right now, but he's on a winning streak right now. He's opening some eyes, and it seems like the hype surrounding him has resurfaced. Is that fight interesting? you at all at this point not right now definitely want to do the fight just not right now i want my next fight my last two fights have been uh people behind me i want to go forward if sterling was in front of me then yeah i would say yeah to the fight um but he's behind me right now i want to get a fight in front he wants that fight in front too you know what i mean you know he could take this fight and it'd be a good fight between him and i but i think ultimately and myself too we i think we could both agree like we we're gonna fight eventually but we want, I want to go forward a little bit. You know what I mean? He wants to go forward a little bit too. I mean, I think that's the smartest thing between both of us. But whatever, I, you got to kind of see what happens. You know what I mean? We, we've been talking about it. We're waiting back to hear from the UFC what's possible outcome. I mean, they don't really give you that much when it comes back. Like when I fought Marlon, it was only Marlon. I couldn't fight anybody else. When I fought uh, Dotson, it was only Dotson. I couldn't fight anybody else. You know, so it's like it, it's kind of give or take. You know, you really get much options sometimes. And, and where we're at right now, it's kind of hard. Um, so got to kind of see what happens. So I know you're talking to the UFC about getting a, a fight scheduled. Are you looking to get back in there at least one more time before the year's over? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we're just seeing, uh, you know, when and who that's it. 
Has anything been formally presented to you yet? Nothing. Nothing yet. We're just, you know, they, they were just in Moscow, and that's a big fight. So, <laughs> you know, we're not going to be up their ass right now about figuring out a fight. Or at least, you know, I'm on my, I, I, I got out my manager about it, and he's the one that handles it. So I, I'm going to wait uh, maybe till this weekend, bother my manager about bothering them about scheduling something. Yeah, you guys are pretty busy over at Tiger Showman. You got Burgos coming up at MSG. You got Arce coming up at MSG. How's things going right now? Good. We got Lyman, Arce, and Burgos. And then right after that, we got Chuzano and Denver. So we're good. We got all five guys in the UFC fighting. Not to mention Galdino is fighting this Friday in ROC for the 35 belt um, against the top prospect. So it's 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 good. You know, Hams are going good. We got a lot of amateur guys the MMA fights coming up. We got another guy in ROC, Andy um, Scovia, who's uh, 2-0 right now, getting another fight in. And uh, it's just, you know, we're just staying focused on training and getting the getting our wins in and, and doing what we do best. Well, I, know, I know you're a very busy guy, Jimmy. You got you got a lot of work to catch up on, so we're going we're gonna to let you go. Before you get out of here, you know, let people know where to find and follow you, where to find you at the gym and anything. People want to come train with, with Tiger Shulman and you. Um, yeah, you guys can come by my school, East 34, um, excuse me, 34 East 23rd Street in New York City, or just on social media. You can message me on Twitter, Jimmy Rivera135, or Instagram, Jimmy Rivera. And I mean, people are more than welcome to come by my school, take a picture, and take a class on me, too. Well, there you go. Go go find that and take advantage of that opportunity. Jimmy, thanks for the time, man. Thanks for squeezing us in. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you. All right, there he is, Jimmy Rivera, everybody. Very interesting time in the UFC Bantamweight division. I know he's got a lot of work to do, a lot of stuff with his school right now, so I appreciate him taking a few minutes and squeezing us in on this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. And you know what that sound means? It means the show is over. Big thank you to Jimmy Rivera for coming on the show. Big thank you to Spencer Kite for coming on the show and going the full five with us. Big thank you to all you guys for downloading and subscribing and listening to the program. And a big thank you to our sponsor, TestStripsWithAZ.com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. Turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash, up to $50 per box. Get more info at TestStripsWithAZ.com. Bellator back on Friday. We got the UFC on Saturday. Could be the longest night of our lives <laughs> watching MMA. We got Connor and Khabib's press conference on Thursday. My goodness gracious. We will have a lot to discuss next week on the show. So enjoy the fights, everybody. We'll see ya.